So our reading for this evening is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Great, thank you, Rosie. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you um, for this passage. Thank you um, for the wisdom and the truth that it has for us. And Lord, as, um, yeah, as we unpa- unpack it together tonight, uh, may we become more like you. Amen. Amen. So Colossians, we're in this series of thanks living, living in thankfulness. Colossians calls us to live a life of worship in response to what Jesus has done. So we want to be people of thanks living, that our thankfulness overflows out of this building and into our workplaces, into our lectures, into our homes. And it's not this surface level thankfulness that has to disappear when life becomes difficult. And I'm I'm glad it's not. It's a thankfulness that's rooted in our hope in Jesus, a thankfulness that points to Jesus. And that's what's happening in this passage. Paul is pointing us to Jesus again and again. And that's where we need to be pointing each other and those that we know. As church, that's what we want to be doing, pointing each other to Jesus. Others are going to see the power and the love of Jesus when we live in this overflow of thankfulness to him. So Paul starts this passage by telling us of the glorious nature of Jesus, by taking us back to the beginning of creation to see the role of Jesus in it. Paul writes that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, the firstborn. He was created before all things. He, sorry, that's not true. He wasn't created. He was before all created things and above all created things. The beauty of creation came from Jesus as he, with his place in the Trinity, created all things. Firstborn, that doesn't mean he was created It means he holds this position where he's before all things. He wasn't created. 
he created. Now, I think we talk quite a lot, as, as we should, about being thankful for creation. I have the privilege of helping out in, in Climbers, which is our reception to year twos. And last week, we were saying prayers of thanks to God for the world, for the sun, for the sea, for creation. So I think we do that quite well sometimes. I wonder what your thing about creation that you love is. I kind of have this weird little theory that we all have something that we kind of, one thing about creation that we just love. And when you see it, you notice the beauty of creation more than usual. If you know Michael, his is sunsets. If you know him, if you see if there's a sunset outside and he's inside, he's literally outside taking photos in about one second. Uh, Mine's rainbows, I just love them. Um, But I wonder what your thing about creation is that gets you noticing the beauty of what Jesus has created. Our beautiful creation has a beautiful creator. Behind all of it is the Trinity, was Jesus. And I think Paul here is trying to get us to see that Jesus isn't a random addition to the New Testament, but that he was here the entire time before creation. We think about God creating, don't we? But Paul is saying that the person of Jesus who came down to walk with humanity on earth, is the one that with God spoke creation into being. He's one with that same God, members of the Trinity, but one. Jesus, the firstborn of creation, is one with the same God who loved us enough to think it was worth saving us. He reigns over creation too. I love that part in the passage where it says he holds all things together. In all things, he has supremacy. He's greater than all in his power and in his authority. And I reckon the more that we come to know Jesus, the more thankful we become. The more time we spend in creation, the more thankful we become. The more time we spend in our Bibles, the more thankful we become. And in this passage, I don't know about you, but I experienced it. As Paul writes more and more and more about Jesus, our response is often to become more thankful. And that's what I think it should be. We should be left in absolute wonder at who Jesus is. The words that Paul's writing about Jesus are ridiculously incredible. We're thankful that Jesus is the reflection of God, the head of the body, the firstborn over all creation. We do spend time in thankfulness for creation, but how often do we spend time marveling at the one that created it, the one that we worship? We're quite good at singing songs together. We're quite good at praying for ourselves or for those in need, but when are we taking time to just look at Jesus, at all that Jesus is, and get excited about that? You might know the story when Jesus enters Jerusalem on the donkey. People are praising him. They're worshipping God. They're worshipping Jesus. They're celebrating being in his presence. They're not asking for anything at that point. They're celebrating being in his presence. And that's what I want to be doing. And that's what I want us to do as church. Not pretending everything's perfect all the time. That's not real church. But celebrating Jesus with our thanks throughout it all is possible, and that is church. 
Now, as the people are celebrating Jesus as he's riding on that donkey, the Pharisees tell Jesus to make them be quiet. But Jesus says this, if they stay silent, the rocks will cry out. Our passage tells us that by Jesus, all things are created. The beauty of creation declares praise to Jesus. The rocks would cry out. And from the stars in the sky to the depths of the sea, that's what Psalm 148 tells us, Jesus' supremacy over all is recognized in creation. But we can't forget that we too are part of that beautiful creation. And like creation, we are here to point to Jesus again and again by living in thankfulness and praise to him. I believe that through the ups and through the downs of life, we can point to him. We can point to his promises, to his creation, and to the wonder of his nature. But arguably more than any of that, we point to what Jesus did on the cross. The kind of crux of our faith and the way to life in all its fullness. We point to who he is, but we point to what he did on the cross. And this passage is amazing. Paul presents the whole gospel in only a few sentences. It's pretty straight to the point, but it tells us of this story of our relationship with God, the relationship between God and humanity, us being alienated from God, having a broken relationship with him because of the way that we act and think, and then becoming reconciled to God, reconciled by Christ, by Jesus, to God through the cross. Some of the words are that Jesus' blood brought peace. Peace, isn't that what our world is seeking? Peace. We are made holy and we're made blameless through Jesus. It's this beautifully painful paradox of Jesus holding this position of supremacy over all creation then lowering himself to take on all of our rubbish to enable us to be free out of nothing but love, out of nothing but love for us. From the firstborn of all creation, lowering himself to die for us. I'm thankful for who Jesus is, and I'm thankful for what Jesus did. We're thankful for that glorious nature we're thankful that he was in communion with God in creation. But we've got to be thankful for those more gruesome parts too. Thankful for the sacrifice. That's what's made it possible to know freedom from the sins that weigh us down. We can be dependent on Jesus for life instead of dependent on being good enough, working hard enough. It's what's made it possible for us to be forgiven and to be able to live a life in the Spirit, with Jesus alongside us, with Jesus alongside me and you. We can have a life that's been reconciled to God because of Jesus and his blood. And I wonder if the people that get this most are sometimes new Christians. I feel like if, you, you know, if you've been in this faith for a long, long time, mega respect to you. But there's something about new Christians. They just kind of get it. They have this awe and wonder of who Jesus is and what he's done. That It kind of tends to be there at the beginning, doesn't it? 
They have this zeal, this enthusiasm, this hope that perhaps can dwindle as, as time goes on. But, but why should it? Why should it? Our mercies are new every day. I want to live like I discovered Jesus today. I want to know him like I've known him for a long time, but I want to know him and get excited about him like I've known him from today. We're being made new every day. We're constantly being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. He wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. I want to know it afresh tonight and every day. What if we actually took a minute to let this sink in, the news that Jesus wants to know us? We're precious to him. He saved us. He wants, us to, he wants to lead us and guide us and speak to us. Perhaps, I wonder, this evening, do we need to pray for a fresh understanding of these truths? I wonder how we act this evening when we go home or tomorrow, wherever we are, if we understood this afresh tonight. I wonder if we should pray for this childlike faith again. Not childish, but childlike full of wonder and excitement and this sense that you're just ready to go. Paul tells this church, and I believe us today, to not move from the hope held out in the gospel. I want to stay in the same hope I had when it all started to make sense for me. I wonder if that's the same for you. I don't want to move from that hope that I first discovered. I want to stay there. I want to stay in the same hope that I had when the gospel changed my life. Not in a nostalgic way that kind of longs for something of the past in a really sad way, but actually in a way that seeks to be full of joy for the gospel again. Full of thankfulness to Jesus for saving me. The world tells us that Christianity is dying out. I remember being in school, that's kind of all you hear. It's dying out, it's dying out. But if we're living in the hope that Jesus brings, it really doesn't sound like anything is dying. If we read that passage, it doesn't sound like our hope is dying or that Christianity is dying or that Jesus is dying. It sounds life-changing and life-bringing because of his power to overcome death and give us life. I think it's exciting. And it's a journey that I want to be on. So church, are we ready to go on this journey again, afresh, anew? Or perhaps for the first time, do you want the hope of the gospel in your life? In verse 23, Paul uses the word servant. And I wonder if we imagine serving someone that doesn't sound particularly exciting. It sounds pretty boring if I'm honest to be a servant. But Paul says he's become a servant to the gospel. And honestly, that sounds like the least boring thing ever. And that's because the gospel is the least boring thing ever. People might have spoken that over you. Church is boring. Jesus is boring. But the gospel is the least boring thing ever. It's the opposite. I'm so happy to be a servant of the gospel when the gospel means that people can be freed from the things that hold them down because of Jesus' death and resurrection. 
It's exciting to be a servant of the gospel that brings this upside-down kingdom where the last will be first and the first will be last. It's exciting to be a servant of the gospel because it's exciting to serve Jesus. Where are we being servants of the gospel? And if you feel like you're not, where could you be a servant of the gospel? What places do you want to pray that Jesus would allow you to have someone who overflows in thankfulness so much that people think they have a hope that I need? Where do you want Jesus to place you and your hope and your thankfulness to change someone's life through him? As a church, we want to live in thankfulness together. We want to do thanks living together. And I think that's all about continually pointing each other to Jesus and worshipping him in this room, but mostly outside of this room. Yesterday, we were at a course growing leaders um, in the Simeon room. We're looking at the vision of Christ Church together. We're kind of looking at um, yeah, how leaders design vision and carry out vision. And we looked at Christ Church's vision um, as an example. It talks about us being a flourishing and a generous regional center of Christian worship, mission, and discipleship. We want to be a community marked by worship, flourishing in worship and thankfulness to Jesus. And I need your encouragement for that. And I'd love to give you mine. This series is changing our mindsets. It's changing our approaches and our outlooks. But we need the Holy Spirit to help us do that. The Holy Spirit to give us joy, to give us thankfulness. I want to do thanks living in community because I need you to point me to the gospel. And I would love to point you to the gospel too. Let's pray that creation prompts us to remember that Jesus was before it all and that he holds all things together. When things feel like they're falling apart, he's holding them together. And let's remember that he's the head of the church. He knows everything that's going on. He's holding it together. He's the head of the church. When things become about anything else, we fall apart. Things don't work when we become about anything else. We need to be pointing to Jesus, pointing to the cross as we navigate our different situations, the blessings and the battles. We as a church want to look in thankfulness to our creator, to our sustainer and to our savior Jesus because of who he is and because of what he's done. And that's a place I'd love to be in, a place of thankfulness and joy in community. So I think we should do it together. Um, So let's start in prayer and let's make sure this impacts further than just this building. We have a big reach as Christ Church. So Father, I pray that our thankfulness overflows out of this building and into the people that we meet. God, the world tells us that Christianity is declining, is dying out, is boring, is dull. Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would send excitement and joy and a readiness for the gospel. 
that you would yeah, put that in each of our hearts this evening. That tomorrow morning when we wake up, we'd be excited because you're our creator, our sustainer, and our savior. Amen.